Hello, you are listening to No Such Word as Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believed that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice, as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today, I get to welcome a very good friend of mine to the podcast who has a lot of experience in the TV and media world. Welcome to the podcast, Alex Pipkin. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, I think you were a little bit surprised when I was like, hey, can you come on the pod? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, definitely, because we've been friends for a long time, so you, you pretty much know my life inside out anyways. Oh, yeah, so I think can, there's a lot of... Yeah, a lot of things that are not going to make it on this recording, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, you could have done it without me, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did just kind of have like a brief overview, like, so what yeah. did we do? And I was like, you worked on this project and you were like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, was meant, it wasn't meant to last this long, but, you know, it's been over a decade now. Mm-hmm. So... This is a little bit different for a lot of my listeners. You know, I haven't really had anyone on the podcast come on and talk about the field that you're in, you know, what your career is all about. So tell us Mm. a little bit about where you got started. Well, originally I wanted to be um, an actor or presenter and I looked to go into uni to to follow that kind of path. Um, And then I thought there there was a, a better route might be to just kind of like go into TV in general and just kind of take that route and then turn up and just kind of like in my head get scouted to be like the next Dermot O'Leary. But obviously <laughs> uh, so I went to, I went to uni. So does that like, not work? Like, does that never happen? I'm sure it does. I kind of just, I was just a bit young and naive and I thought mm. kind of get any job in TV. Like eventually they're going to realise that I should be famous. Oh. But it, <laughs> the reality is no I made cups of tea for a long time um but uh yeah so I went to I went to uni with um my best friend Jai who also had a love of like tv and, and stuff and we went to the University of Lincoln where they had a pretty new and pretty advanced for the time kind of tv course um and then yeah did that for however long I think it's three years isn't it uni uh made some great friends learned probably not as much as I should have about telly but learned how to make an amazing margarita instead so it's been some <laughs> and then basically came out of that and applied for a thousand tv jobs and how, it how, how did you know how to apply for tv jobs is that something that they taught you in uni that you did listen to mm, not really but they do kind of <laughs> they do kind of hammer home that you're not going to walk out of uni and into a TV job. It is a lot of grinding. You have to be like, like if you, if there's, if you've got a TV show in mind that you want to work on, like whether it be Love Island or anything like that, it's, it's going to be very rare that you just kind of like write into Love Island. Mm. A lot, a lot of kind of like uni courses now have a kind of placement plan of like, they put you onto various TV companies, but oh, my, useful. Yeah, super, super cool. But my uni at the time didn't. Um, so you, I basically had to uh, write a lot of emails. And also, because it's so long ago, I posted a lot of letters as well randomly. 
of like my CV. You are showing your no, age now. I, I know, I know, right? Um, I sent messenger pigeon to many <laughs> companies. No, I, it, you have to, I remember having to write cover letters and be in post them to various things and go to the printers. Oh God, it's hideous. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's going back over a decade there. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I got some, I forgot about this part. I got some, when we was kind of like going through the recap earlier, I got some work experience unpaid uh, at a company called 12 Yard that make eggheads and other shows and the Great British Village show and stuff and did unpaid work experience for them. <clears throat> okay. so, I'd, so I'd wake up at like, I don't know, five in the morning. My dad would essentially pay for my traveling to London. I'd work for a full day, get a free lunch and then come home. I did that for like almost a year. It was, it was brutal. I mean, at least at least you got a free lunch. You know, there's plenty no, of places know. that I know of that just let you completely fend for yourself. I know, and it was receipt-based as well. So I'd just kind of like go into MS and be like, I will take one of everything, please, for my lunch. <laughs> I was just going to say classic meal. Yeah. Meal. <laughs> yeah. MS, MS, like you're, that's uh, a little bit upmarket. Yeah, coming from Essex as well, where yeah. never seen one before. <laughs> well, I mean, your career in TV is where we met for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, yeah. In case you guys listening don't know, before I moved to the Dominican Republic, I went on a game show because I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and win myself some money. Didn't win myself any money, did win myself a lifelong friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have taken the money. Money is a better option. Really. <laughs> Can you remember yeah. that day? Yes. You remember it? Um, I remember it really well. Like they paid for my flight down. Um, mm. so I but I because I'm from Scotland and I had to fly down to London, I flew in the night before. So they put me up in like a little travel lodge. Um, yeah. and then we got picked up in like a big taxi to go to the studio um to record the show. Can I say, I can say the name of the show. Yeah, yeah, once, yeah, right? yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Yeah, so it was The Chase. Um, and it was really funny that I, like, I was in uni or I was just graduating. So I'd applied to the game show without, like, I'd watched it kind of in the background. Like, my gran really liked it and we would watch it while we ate dinner. But, like, I didn't know mm-hmm. the name of all the chasers. So I yeah. remember auditioning for it. And that was one of the questions was, who's the chaser you would want to get? And I was panicking. Yeah. I was like, oh no, please don't pick me first. Like, don't pick me first. And luckily like a couple of other people had answered. So I just picked the name of like one. That, Whoever someone else said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was like, that one. Yeah, I don't want her. Um, and yeah, we went down and recorded and I met you because you were like getting people I don't know what I I really wasn't. I don't don't think I was paying that much attention, to be honest. I don't know what you were doing there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So basically, I one of my one of my jobs when I was a casting researcher, essentially, is to because studio days can be quite daunting, really, when you go down to Elstree and you kind of like shopped around a bit and you like go here and we're going to talk to you about this and then we're going to take you here and then we're going to take you to wardrobe and makeup and it's all a bit, you know, rushed and a little bit mad. So I'm I was essentially there to kind of help guide through the process and keep you company if you got knocked out of the show and stuff like Which that. Which really. you did. I mean, I yeah. had a, I had a brilliant day. Um, mm. I remember the host of the show 
saying to me um he made a really funny joke because I went on and they asked you like oh what are you doing and what are you here for and I was like oh I want to be a dolphin trainer and he was making jokes about swimming and stuff and then he called me David Hazelhoff which <laughs> I actually thought was quite funny I'd never heard that before <laughs> yeah you do look similar to that to the Hoff. oh shush but yeah, you did You did keep me company. I did get knocked out. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I was told by multiple people that my questions were very hard. I wasn't just thick. Um, yeah, it is, tri it is tricky under pressure. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted was my ham sandwich. When yeah, exactly. So it's great, for, it's great for us behind the scenes as well when people kind of get knocked out because it means that we can go get all the Haribo and the sandwiches and... You know, we're not meant to have them, and they just for the guests. But you know, we we are, I eat them as well. So when people get knocked, we used to get knocked out. It's been like amazing. <laughs> well, it was I'll really get the funny. celebrations. Yeah, it was really funny because before the show, we were supposed to have lunch or something, and I wasn't hungry. But they'd given me a ham sandwich, and I was mm. just like, I really want this ham sandwich, but I don't want it now. Can you keep it for me? So you were like babysitting this ham sandwich during oh, yeah, I remember during the <laughs> recording, and then I came off, and you were like, "You all right?" And I was like, "Yeah." Where's my ham sandwich? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. You I remember that. I was like, um, I wonder if we're gonna have to like console her for like not making any money. And you were like, I'm hungry. And I was like, I know. Yeah. It's like I just want food. And then we <laughs> yeah. sat and we chatted about, I think, like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and realized Pretty that much. we had a lot in common and yeah. friendship. Blossomed. We're nerds, basically. Yes. We realized exactly. we we're both complete nerds. <laughs> exactly. But you didn't start off on the chase. So no. you did your unpaid stuff for a little while yeah, and then yeah. where did you go on to so my first paid job was as a was as a runner a tech runner for oh, what's the name of the company i can't even remember the name of the company now but it was the long way round, long way down show with like charlie borman and ewan mcgregor on the motorbikes going around the world um so i did my first paid job uh there in this like big warehouse with loads of motorbikes and memorabilia from around the world it was super cool um and did it was kind of good it was kind of a good job really because obviously I've done all that unpaid stuff and it was a lot of waking up and going to shoots at 5am and making a lot of teas and coffees whereas this was a bit bit different and that was mm. really cool daunting though because people would come in and Charlie would come in and be like oh can you change the exhaust on that motorbike and I'd be like yeah, sure I can, Charlie. As you know, you want to say yes to everything, and then jumping on Google, be like, "How to be a mechanic for the day?" <laughs> Mad, but um, so that was a lot of fun. And um, obviously, as we've said, I was a massive nerd, so I got to meet Obi Wan Kenobi, mm -hmm. who was bloody lovely. And I remember him coming over and being like, "Hello, mate!" Like, he comes and comes over and introduces himself to like a new face, like super polite man. He was lovely. And uh, I remember him saying, like, oh, hello, I'm Ewan. And I was like, mate, I know who you are. <laughs> you don't know who I am. How'd you take your coffee, bro? Uh, and that's basically it. But, yeah, it's good fun. Yeah. So then yeah. I think the the bone of contention in our entire friendship is that I've still never seen Star Wars. I know, but I'm not too bothered about it anymore. Mm. So we don't turn this podcast into me just ranting about how what Star, <laughs> Star Wars. Um, no, of course not. So I... So I did that. Um, I, I keep remembering stuff that I've done as we go along because it's been so long. I'm an old man. Um, so then I did that and then I went on to, I did that for about a year. 
and then left that essentially got fired from that because I just got bored and dragged my heels a bit they could tell um and then went on to Big Brother for about five six years when it was still at Channel 4 again showing my age and then it moved five and did that and then I was a I was on a, a logger on that to start with now anyone that doesn't know it's like a logger is essentially you watch live reality tv there's going to be still people that do this job now on like love island and stuff you watch love uh, you watch the live recording and you type everything that everyone's saying and then everything like, everything word for word absolutely everything yeah you're in the gallery there's a team there was a team of about eight of us I've got friends from that that used to do that with me that was still friends for life now that did that from Big Brother and there's a team of you and you have shifts two of you on shift and you literally type out a million miles an hour everything everyone's saying so there's shortcuts on the keyboard for like names of people and keywords and like you know argument kiss etc so there's shortcuts on the keyboard but you are typing everything that they say as as close to it as you can obviously there's spelling mistakes and stuff and um i love that job i truly loved it it's a very kind of like starty outy job in tv but i totally recommend it for anyone getting into tv as well as being a runner because it gives you the eye for telly if that makes sense you kind mm. of as you're watching the live record it's your job to highlight specific things throughout the day that's going to go on to a day director who's making the show for the evening and your job is basically pick out the best bits for them there's a massive essence of trust there like that mm. your best stuff and what's really handy if you're starting out is it kind of teaches you what the public would want to see or what makes good telly and that was that was super handy for, for me at the time to kind of figure out you know what people would want to want to watch and then yeah. did that for five years really enjoyed it and um, I was quite as we've established I was quite nerdy so I'd been I could type quite quickly and so it was no bother for me and was, was this you were working on Big Brother for kind of like five years along with other jobs at this yeah, point yeah. had you kind of given up on the idea of wanting to be on the telly were you like no oh, no gonna... funnily enough yeah, no, good shout. No, funnily enough, I said um, to myself, oh, if I kind of, you know, when I said earlier, if I just turn up, they'll kind of realise that I should be in front of the camera. God, I yeah. Like, I thought Big Brother was like the perfect way to do that. I was like, oh God, if I just turn up and crack a few jokes and they'll just be like, get Russell Brand off the telly and just pop me in his place in my head. So I kind of thought that would be the best route to do it. And then as it went on and I, I realised you know I'm not the next Dermot O'Leary unfortunately kind of grew up a bit it, it was fine at that point I was like okay maybe I'll make a career of you know the actual <laughs> telly part but I think I've actually kind of trained for and yeah. then just realized I I loved the what I was doing at the time and and, and the other thing is as well is at that time as I mentioned there was a team of us you get so close with in think about the telly world is you work with multiple teams across multiple projects and every now and again you'll meet people that are like you really get on with and you make some really really good friends not all the time but it was I remember all of us would you know because we'd all just moved to London and we all just hung out together after the show and we'd go out drinking together and it was just it was awesome it was good yeah. fun 
I mean, I'm sure it is, especially when you're all starting out in what is, I imagine to be, I mean, I'm sure it has its mundane parts as well, but quite an exciting mm. kind of career path. Yeah. Um, so you were working on Big Brother. Do you mm. have any funny stories? Any funny stories? Um, oh God, I'm trying to think. Because it must have been nice, especially in that job, you know, you kind of get to see the bits that are going to go out on TV before they've yeah. gone out. Like you kind of see them happen in real time. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I've seen some, yeah, I've seen some stuff that didn't make it, make it to broadcast for sure. That's probably for the best. But also, um, I do, it was kind of surreal. I remember like, because he had night shifts as well, because it was back in the time when, it was 24 hours so you had to like have a team that would be around to record anything that they were saying at night time mm-hmm. so because it was just such a skeleton crew if there was anything that needed to be done in the in the big brother house like anything needed to be moved or changed they would just kind of like the production team would find out who's about and be like right, you've got to come in and do this and do that and I remember um it's probably out there somewhere but I remember having to like army crawl into like the big brother house because they were all asleep in the in the room and having to like take because they'd, they'd failed a task or something we took everything out of the house like so they, they'd come out of their bedrooms in the morning and there'd be nothing there like nothing and i remember having to like army crawl around the big brother house on telly surreal just like ninjaing all of their like essentially robbing them yeah robbing yeah and trying to like do it really quietly. That was quite funny. And then, because you 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 wouldn't be able to wake them up because they're not supposed to see exactly. anyone yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. in the yeah. house. They, yeah. They to, to spoil the illusion uh, of telly slightly. They do hear people in the walls, and that does happen. But obviously, in the in the show, in the highlight show at the end, you don't see that kind of stuff. But they they would hear. You'd have to like ring down and be like, "Can whoever's on camera one kind of stop talking about the football?" Because oh. <laughs> Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. But yeah, 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 I think it's it must have been a really fun project to kind of get your feet wet. So yeah, when I was it was it is a great place to start. And when I was working on Big Brother, it was the summer mainly. So uh, in between in between Big Brothers, you have to do other stuff. So I did um I did the first series of Towie when that came out, and um then we moved on to Made in Chelsea and stuff. So you're kind of like doing that for one half of the year and then Big Brother for the second half of the year and stuff like that. Was there a big difference between working The Only Way is Essex compared to Made in Chelsea? Because they're very similar reality shows, but with a very different cast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, God, I'm going to admit this now, but I love, do you ever watch The Hills? I never got into it, but I, I know what it was. Yeah. So, and like the real Laguna Beach and stuff, like that is basically what Towie was meant to be and I remember watching Laguna Beach and the hills have been like oh my god this is kind of like revolutionary telly like the idea that we're not meant to be able to hear these conversations that they're having mm. and I, you know I, I I work in telly and I was falling for it as well and being like oh my god they they don't know we can hear and loving it and then I saw um a job post about that and they're going to be like oh we're going to make the British version of Laguna Beach or the hills and I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm a massive fan of those. I know how that works. So, and I'm from Essex, so you know it all matches up. And I remember going and kind of got the job, and 
and stuff. And I was kind of, I think I was logging and researching on that or something. I can't remember. And I remember going to the first lot of filming and being like, this is nothing like the hills. I don't know. I don't know if someone should tell them or not, but this is not what they're going for. And they just kind of like cracked on and did it their own way and kind of changed the genre slightly and it became a massive success. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say that. It was still super successful. Yeah, 100%. Because I think a, a, a lot of people might not have seen The Hills and stuff, so didn't know that, you know, it wasn't trying. Well, it, it they said originally it was trying to be that, but what it became was something completely different. And oh, yeah. Good good on them, really. But, um, yeah, that was really good. And and Made in Chelsea was 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 good as, as well. But ironically, I had a lot more in common with the Made in Chelsea people than the uh, people. I don't know why, really. But I just remember that all the all the Chelsea people are just like super nice, super polite. And oh, really? really? Well, not saying the Essex people weren't, but they, they were just super friendly and really welcoming. And yeah, they were just really, really lovely. Because obviously when you're, I don't know, when you're growing up, you kind of get this impression of posh people bad, don't you? Or yeah. like, really bad or whatever. Especially if you come from like a working class background, like, you know, a lot of people from my neck of the woods. And yeah, they were just like super nice, super polite, really generous, really welcoming. I'd imagine that's maybe something that's a bit difficult, especially when you're filming reality shows like like that, because you're around them, around the cast so much. Mm. But is yeah. there like a is it always like a huge divide between cast and crew? Or well, no, you spend well when I when I did it, you spend all day with them basically but there is there is a there is a big gap between cast and crew in terms of like uh friendship and stuff you you're mm. you know not encouraged to be friends with them because uh you know you might be screwing them over in one scene or they might not screw them over but they might be confronted with an ex-girlfriend or something and they'll they'll you know the you know is coming and they don't know it's coming but because you want to make good telly you kind of like if you make friends with them you'd, you'd feel guilty you know um yeah, I suppose those shows are quite manipulative in a way because they manipulate the situation to make the storyline. Kind yeah, of. kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Like, it, it, I, I don't think now after all these series, people will just kind of like believe that you know your ex girlfriend from eight years ago and then another ex girlfriend from four years ago suddenly walk into a pub you're in, or whatever, like whatever scenarios they've created. There is an essence. Yeah. Of there is an essence of structure in these kind of shows, but mm -hmm. obviously what happens then between them is real and fun to watch. So yeah, but people know that. So you had a lot of fun, you know, making and working on reality TV. What yep. made you want to make a change? Um, what to like quiz shows and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so basically I started to fall in love with meeting new people and new contestants and stuff like that. And just like people get a bit nervous around the cameras and I really enjoyed like calming them down and, you know, making people feel relaxed and stuff. Bringing them ham sandwiches. Bringing them ham sandwiches, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, a, a lot of people like to do it the other way around. They like to get into casting and then get into you know, filming and all that kind of stuff. But I did it the other way around. I kind of was on shoots and stuff and I wanted to get into casting because I just enjoyed the process of meeting people and getting to know them and learning their stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. and 
So I, it was after another Big Brother series, one of my friends got a job on the chase and she said, you know, come along and, and, and give this a go. And then I went, I went along and started doing, uh, I was a casting researcher. I eventually became a car, uh, system producer casting. So I had my own team. We're going around the country to find people in the end. But um, you, I started out just finding cool people from around the from around the UK to hopefully try and win them some money. And I and that kind of process of of meeting people and getting to know them and their stories and was really nice because people um, get really happy when they, they find out someone's genuinely interested in you know their story and who they are. Like seventy five year old Doreen from Scunthorpe telling me about her knitting when I actually bloody loved it and finding out that she kind of knits for charity and all this kind of stuff and someone just listening to them and, you know, enjoying their stories and stuff was nice for them. And it was nice for me. And hopefully if they make a bit of cash at the end of it, everyone's on it. Yeah. I mean, you are a massive, you know, people person and you are very good at like getting on with multiple different people from different backgrounds, which I suppose was an asset to that type of job. Yeah. 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 I mean, I hope so. Yeah. And like, it, as I said, it's it, it it comes quite naturally to me to be friendly and make as many friends as possible. So that it was just that process really. Told, that hasn't really changed. Like people who are with me now really like, kind of like notice how I'll talk to strangers in a queue or we'll just like, you know, find someone at a gig and if you join the same music, I'll just start talking to random people about random things and just trying to make friends really and that's essentially became my job but I think that's really nice though like you kind of went into tv with one idea of what you wanted to do Mm. and then you just kind of ended up finding the right place for you instead 100% yeah and like it was I was good at it as well like I finding cool people and um you know and making them feel relaxed and happy about their stories and all that kind of stuff I was I, it came quite naturally and I was good at it and there's a nice feeling isn't it when you realize you're, you're good at something so I was kind of coasting through telly really not really just knowing what I wanted to to do other than be a presenter and then I kind of like found that niche and I was there at the chase for, for five six years I think six years maybe longer I don't even know anymore but I was there for a long old time and eventually ended up having multiple um of my own teams of people working with me to find some Cool contestants to go on the show we, we we wasn't part of the team that found you but I was there in the studio when you were there yeah um, so you essentially ended up going on to do like when I auditioned for the chase you audition online and then they mm. have like these little yeah in-person auditions in yep. each city so obviously mm. I was from Glasgow and I went in it was in like a hotel and mm. auditioned for these people like they just asked you a bunch of questions they want to see what you look like etc and how you I suppose interact with other people and then they decide who's going to come down and actually do the show and that's when I met you but you kind of changed roles after you know we became friends but you did end up kind of I suppose it's quite a nomadic job that one in that sense of you know yeah well one you're kind of for the most part you're jumping from contract to contract depending on when shows are starting and ending like you said you worked on Big Brother Correct. in the summers but then you did other stuff and then you yeah. were kind of touring the country so while you had kind of found the right place for yourself career-wise 
what kind mm. of impact did that have on your personal life? Well, it became, it, the good thing about the chase is it became a full, which is, which was crazy to me. It became a full-time contract. So I would work there pretty much all year round. Uh, and there's like a little break in between shows. So the, so the chase was great for that. Uh, but the, in my, in the personal life of kind of like the, the freelance world of going from contract to contract, it, it, it's stressful. And it's something that like, it's one of the realities of, going to something they didn't tell you at uni they didn't say like you know you're going to be paying premiums in rent in London to be around the jobs and you know the jobs aren't going to be there all, all the time so it is a, it, personal life wise it is it, it can be stressful because you've got you know I was paying I don't, don't know if anyone knows about London prices but I was paying like 600 700 pound a month rent on a income of I don't know, 1,400 or 1,200 pound a month income. It was crazy. So, and then if you're out of work, you've got rent coming out. It is, it is brutal, but there is that kind of... Go on, sorry. Are there any ways that you've kind of learned to, to deal with that? Yeah, I mean, the more people you live with, the less the rent becomes, which became really handy because a lot of me and some of my friends from The Chase moved in together and that... Mm-hmm. We found like a really cool uh, place in Stratford and the rent became super cheap and you kind of work around it that way. Um, but you have to just be disciplined, really. If you know there's no work coming out or coming up, you can't. Obviously, it's difficult in London because you, you want to go out and have a laugh and get have a drink with your mates all the time. But because of the prices and stuff, you have to be disciplined to be like, oh, I can't, I've got no work, I can't afford it. Mm. So. Uh, and that's and plus like it was easier for me because I don't I didn't never really like needed a lot of stuff like um so a lot of people would go out and buy designer clothes designer shoes whereas I'd kind of like get Harry Potter memorabilia like Funko Pops or something so my my outgoings were a lot less than yeah of people I just like you know drinking yeah. beer at Lord of the Rings so it was easier for me yeah, I think there's a big message of, you know, live within your means and especially freelance, you know, you might be earning a decent amount of money for a few months, but then you might earn nothing exactly. for the next for the next couple, you know. So, yeah, you definitely need Correct. to kind of be able to plan ahead. But, you know, I think there's a big theme of following dream careers with this podcast. Mm. Um, and I know from personal experience, the toll that that can take on your personal relationships and how difficult mm. it can be to find the right balance between the two. Um, mm. I know that a career in TV is, you know, drastically different to what my career has been, but how, how have you found it? I think, um, well, relationship-wise, you mean? Yeah. Okay, well, it is tricky because you- I mean, it's so funny. I'm saying this like I don't know like yeah, I, know, yeah. I know all of the sordid details yeah. but um well, obviously that's not going to be discussed on the podcast so just a, yeah. Yeah, just a general like I, I think it's so important to tell people that while your life might look amazing from the outside yeah. you know, for you like oh yeah I work I on TV I'm like an assistant producer on the chase and everything but yeah. you, people don't really see the nitty-gritty of the inside of the toll that that takes yeah well there's yeah exactly because you know you're away a lot I was away a lot on auditions and, you know, that would affect relationships I was having in London massively because, you know, you're away, you're, you're stressed or 
you know, and everything. And you talk, and my job was to talk to people for a living and essentially do a mini, I, I ironically became a bit of a presenter in the long run because I was kind of like, you know, putting on a bit of a show for the auditions and, you know, making everyone relax and having a laugh and stuff. And, you know, when you, when you've been away for the whole week and working long hours and essentially chatting for a living and you come back and, you know, your other half kind of like wants to talk or <laughs> everything. Like, I, don't, I don't really want to talk. I just want to kind of relax. And yeah. she's like, I haven't seen you all week. And you're like, yeah, no, I get that. But at the same time, you know, I've seen a million people this week and it just, it does, it does take a toll uh, in, in that aspect. It's, it strains relationships, let's put it that way. And, yeah. And, and also the hours being something, that's why a lot of people have relationships in telly because you will, your contracts will match up. You'll kind of, they'll understand that you're going to work long hours. You might not get home till like 12 at night. You might be going away. And it's kind of like, it's a hard thing to explain to someone that doesn't understand that world that you're kind of like, right, I'm going away for a week. I might not be able to answer your text when you want or whatever. And yeah. If someone else that works in telly will kind of get that. And mm-hmm. then on top of that, like there would, as we've mentioned, you know, there might be a few weeks, even a few months where I'm out of work and it is, hard, it's a hard sell to your other half, uh, like who's going, doing a nine to five and it's like waking up at like seven and going out to do her job. And, you know, you don't have work for another two weeks. So, you know, you're in your pants eating cornflakes at 12 PM. Yeah. Watching Richard and Judy. And then they're like, what are you, what have you done today? And you're like, oh, or nothing, but you know, <laughs> they don't get it. And it's like, well, you know, you're lazy do something you're like well you know I'm going to be on I'm going to be on another contract solidly for a month so let me enjoy this time off yeah it's definitely one of those Mm. it's it's not really a steady job Mm. it's it's very much kind of up and down but you did eventually make the decision to leave the chase and go on to you know you're now working in a different kind of area but yeah well it was it was it was a big team change and I've been there so long, I think they just kind of wanted to go in, in a different direction. It wasn't my choice necessarily to leave. It was kind of like a, it sounds like a breakup, but it was, a, it, was a, it ended up being a mutual thing, which is why uh, I've got nothing but love for, for the chase and everyone that works there. I think it's an amazing show and everyone does an amazing job still to this day. Um, I've got many uh, fond memories of it. And it's, it's, it's one of the best shows on British telly for a reason. And it's because the team behind the scenes work so hard they're so passionate and they're so dedicated to keeping it fun and funny and the best quiz show that's ever been made on British telly out there really in my opinion so I mean it's super popular and it's been running for so long now yeah my my mum did a nut when she found out I was on it (laughs) she loved it but yeah so anyways I left I left the chase uh, and um then because you know but my other passion which I've had for years is gaming um, again showing that I'm a nerd and I mean you were you did it professionally for a while god I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say that I made money off of it but I would never call myself a professional because by today's standards people would laugh at me because they had genuinely professional gamers now yeah. million, million pound contracts whereas when I did it I was like winning a couple of couple of mouse mats that I'd sell on eBay do you know what I mean <laughs> Okay, and then uh, yeah. there, there, there was prize money for tournaments. And I was quite lucky because I was in, quote unquote, the manager of the team. So the money would come through to me and everyone would be like, oh, you're going to reinvest that in the team. Were you? And I'd be like, 
yeah, sure, as I'm there, like, sipping my margarita in the pub with their winnings. Yeah. But that's while I was at uni and just after uni, so it wasn't really, like, a... It isn't the world that you see now where with Twitch TV and the professional gamers. I was born about... Oh, yeah. I was born a decade too early, I think. But um, anyways, that's that's been my passion is, like, gaming and esports, definitely. And then, so I went and did a tour with a popular Minecraft YouTuber, some live shows with him uh, since leaving the chase, and then got into the podcast world, funny enough, because there's a company that I do a lot of work for now called Spirit. I do a lot of um, podcasts for them. Great company, great, great people to work for. But um, they were they were making a podcast about um, gaming and celebrities in the gaming world that you wouldn't know are gamers and how they got into it and all that kind of stuff and and ended up you know applying for that job as a producer and ended up becoming the producer director for it and um, the nice thing about that was the guy the exec producer on that kind of like hold, held his hands up and was like look you clearly know this world I don't I'll just let you do everything uh, and let you be you know the creative mind behind it and you can just take this podcast in the direction you want and I was like yeah great let's get Henry Cavill on and uh <laughs> which you did <laughs> well well we we didn't unfortunately but I did get to have a meeting uh with Superman about him coming on but he was he was too busy and a couple of other people as well and how uh, much and how much were you freaking out when you met Geralt of Rivia oh massively he's collects Warhammer and he's beautiful <laughs> he's me but two years older and um, much more attractive. No, I'm only kidding. I'm joking. I'm it's true. Joking. It's true. It's true. Uh, but that was cool. And then, it, but on you know that aside, the, what was more exciting for me is I got to meet some of my kind of like gaming. Yeah. Was uh, on that show, and um, that is what that was called. Save your game with with Red Bull, and um, hosts Frankie Ward, who is a amazing esports personality, female personality. She's mm-hmm. really. Talented. And really good gamer and really good presenter and got to meet loads of my heroes from the gaming world which was super fun and since then I've done a few other podcasts for them I've done um Russell Kane's man baggage a few episodes of that a couple of mental health men's mental health podcasts and that's where <laughs> that's where I'm at now uh, was it nice for you to be able to have so much free reign with the podcast because obviously yeah, yeah. You, you knew a lot about it so it gave you kind of that freedom but it also brought hmm a lot of work and a lot of responsibility absolutely there's a he the guy the executive producer now I won't mention I'm trying to avoid mentioning names in case they don't want to be mentioned but he was amazing because even though he had nothing he had no clue about the world he was doing this podcast was in he just trusted my knowledge on that at the same time I had to be like you know how does this release form work or how does this kind of like how does this edit work? Or because I became the edit producer as well, and I'd be like, "Does this sound okay?" And he'd be like, "You need to up the levels on 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 this kind of recording or whatever." And he was like super supportive of the bits of this podcast world that I'd never done before. And I didn't really know, mm. and so and like a nice balance between me making podcasts for him and uh, gaming podcasts for him, and him just kind of trusting me to make it good, which it was a success, hopefully. Um, and then he was always there to kind of back me up and support bits that I might not have understood as it as it went, really. Yeah. So, so it was fun. So if 
there's anyone listening to this episode who wants to kind of get into the world of oh, I'm not just going to say tv I would say media mm. like more traditional sure, yeah. traditional media what kind of advice would you have for them okay so be prepared to you know don't don't feel upset that you might be doing boring stuff essentially if you show the right attitude at an early stage in telly goes a long way um so I uh I loved it I loved meeting new people and kind of like mate you know how many lumps of sugar do you want in your tea and all that kind of stuff and that is that is still part of like the learning curve now you you'll have to be either do work experience or be a runner in at tv companies now don't think you're going to go in to a tv company be handed a camera and you know you get to make telly that's not unfortunately that's not how it works um you have to do you have to do the grind you have to kind of earn your keep really and uh, i'd say if you show the right attitude during that then you know that'll go a long way to be honest and be prepared to apply for a lot of different jobs you might not want to do as well like you don't automatically let's say you want to get a job on love island which is probably one of the best the most popular shows on british telly at the moment you you, you might not start there you know and um, so be prepared there might be different routes to what you want to you want to do yeah and how would people go about finding those types of jobs uh if you can't the best way to do it is if you find out the channel that it's on that the show you want to do is on you can find out the production company behind it and it might be the channel itself or it might be a separate production company and then just get in touch with them essentially and see if they've got any um careers or jobs available any runners jobs any work experience available like be prepared to write a few emails or even send a few letters if that's what you want to do yeah uh, snail mail it snail mail it yeah and then um yeah, and just put yourself out there. Get your CV, make sure your CV's up to scratch. Like um, any kind of previous work experience goes a long way. And, you know, don't be afraid to, even if you haven't had a TV job yet and you've only been like, say, working as a barista or something, don't be afraid to put that down and think it's going to count against you because um, it will just show that you can work with people and deal yeah. with customers and all that kind of stuff. And, and make and that, coffee. There you go. And make good coffee. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on and chatting about all of your experiences. I mean, selfishly, it's just nice to for us to, to actually get time to sit and talk to one another, which doesn't yeah. happen super often. But True. yeah, thank you so much for coming. Um, no worries. I hope that's all right. And people will have, you know, help some people at least. Yeah, I definitely think it will. Good. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, then please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Sharing on social media is always a bonus, and I will catch you guys next week.